everybody, I think we're going to start. So please take your seats if you would like to sit while we talk about stuff. The title, I guess, of this presentation is Getting to 10 Million Views. And I think it may as well be called Getting to 10 Bazillion Frillion Views. Um, because I think that's probably just about as unattainable. And we'll get into that later. Um, but so I want to just tell you very briefly who I am and why Brian thought I had uh, the credential to speak here, even though I don't. Um, so my band is called Pomplamoose. Um, we, uh, all right, Pomplamoose fans in the room. Uh, this is the, the Pomplamoose room. This is where we started making music. And most of this stuff is uh, $50 on Craigslist. That piano's from the 1890s. It literally costs $50. Nice. Um, that's like, you know, all old, broken, cracked cymbals. A fan sent me three cymbals for free. And uh, that's my buddy's pedal board. It's a lot of cheap gear. The point of showing this photo is that the barrier to entry these days is just about zero. With a little bit of time and some cheap gear, you can make music that's heard by millions and millions of people. Um, so th that, that's the point of this photo. So a little, if, in case you don't know Pomplamoose, um, this is, I'm going to show you just a little clip so you can hear just what we do and what it's like. Here you go. Oh, we don't have sound. All the single ladies, 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 all the the single ladies, all the single ladies, the deal. So uh, this started, we started uploading in 2007. Um, we started getting some hits. We actually, do you guys remember when Kanye West went up at the VMAs, I think it was, and he grabbed the microphone out of Taylor Swift's hand after she just won Best Music Video? And he was like, yo, Taylor, whatever. But Beyonce had one of the best music videos of all time. Do you guys remember that? And then the next day, everybody went onto YouTube and searched Beyonce single ladies. And that's what happened. And we got about 500,000 views overnight. This was the first, that was back in 2008 when 500,000 views was a lot of views. Um, and it was like a, it was a very cool thing for us. We had booked this show at Brainwash Cafe, which is a laundromat. And when we got there, there were 200 people inside and there were 200 people outside and like on the street. And it was crazy. It was one of the greatest memories I have in my life. It was so surreal. Um, and we started uploading more videos and playing bigger shows. And we really started feeling like there was like a community around our work. We had brands contact us. We flew to Austria and we did this cool stop motion commercial in Austria. And Hyundai came over to our house and turned our garage into a soundstage. And we did three commercials for Hyundai. For the, and then we started playing bigger shows. The Dresden Dolls invited us to play with them. And we played the Warfield um, at New Year's Eve, which is just the coolest thing ever. We're uploading more videos. People are like sending us fan art and it's really cool stuff and we really feel like there's like a community around our work. People are like drawing portraits of me and Natalie. Um, some of them aren't quite as flattering as the other ones, but they're still, it's, it's, still, it's still really exciting. We, I, I uploaded my record, we, we uploaded our covers album to iTunes and um, and when I checked my bank account at the end of the month, I'm a poor musician, I'm literally living in my dad's house. That's where that studio is. Don't have any money, really. And, and we uploaded this covers record. We, we look at our sales at the end of the month. We sold 30,000 songs. I checked my bank account. It was $20,000 in my bank account. I, I was, it was unbelievable. It, was, it really felt like there, we were starting to get some momentum here. Um, I bought a house on MP3 sales. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I sort of converted it into a studio, gutted the inside, and, um, and we put some wood on the walls and moved all our instruments in, and we kind of made a, a little recording studio. And then something really awful happened. Um, we said, okay, this is great and all. We, got, you know, like we have a little bit of momentum here. We're kind of a band that nobody's really heard of, but we have some sales and whatever. And, but let's, let's kick it to the next level. Let's get 10 Brazilian for fillion million trillion views. Like, let's kick it up to the next level. Let's do the label thing. Let's like, you know? And that's like the most poisonous, awful mentality I think you could possibly have, which is why I have a beef with the idea of getting to 10 
The season premiere of Mad Men this season had 2.3 million views. So 10 million is a really high bar. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay? Let's, I'm just trying to put things in perspective. Jenna Marbles, I'm switching back and forth between Keynote and, and stuff. Who knows Jenna Marbles? Okay, so uh, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna YouTube Jenna Marbles here. Uh, no, no. Apple T, new tab, YouTube Jenna Marbles. Jenna Marbles gets many million views per video that she uploads. And I think I have internet, hooray, I do. Here's Jenna Marbles' videos. You can see she gets a lot of views on a regular basis. This is like Mad Men. She's competing with network television. Okay, but she's massive. She's like one of the top, top people ever on YouTube. The top, 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 like, like the top, in the top 10 channels on all of YouTube. Okay, I'm gonna try and, I'm losing time here, so I need to, I need to blast through this. Let's stop worrying about 10 million views, because I think 100,000 views is enough. 100,000 ought to be enough for any of us. Just, oh, do we need to do this? Okay, sorry, I'll, I'll be better. Okay. <laughs> 100,000 views, this is 100,000 people. Is this not enough? <laughs> <sighs> Who isn't that enough? This is 100,000 people. Why is that not enough for us? We don't need, okay, so here's, here's why. Let me, let me show you something. I'm gonna go back to, to YouTube here. This, okay, there was Jenna all along. Here's Alex Day. 135,000 views, 132,000 views, 113,000 views, 83,000 views. Like consistently, he's getting 100,000 views on every vlog that he uploads. He came out with his album the same day that Justin Timberlake released the 2020 experience. He debuted at number eight and JT was at number nine. 100,000 views is enough. And it's not even about the views. It's about, it's about the community. Here's another example. Charlie is so cool, like a couple hundred thousand views per video. But he has a community around his work. He has people who care about him. When we were uploading videos in our bedroom, a hundred thousand views was enough. We were selling music. We had fans. We still have fans, thankfully. <laughs> um, I'm talking about it as if it's dead. It's not. We're still uploading videos. It just, we went through this weird period. Some more examples. I could go sort of endlessly with examples. <coughs> Kina Granis, same kind of thing. But she's got a huge community around her work. She played Fillmore last time she was in San Francisco. Um, Smooth McGroove, he makes acapella covers of video game music. I mean, <laughs> you know, niche doesn't begin to describe this here. <laughs> it's like right into but, your but heart. But the point is, you know, it's just like, like boom, boom. that if you're, so he just gave Okay, etc. Okay. So so you get the idea. So so but but the thing is with the internet, right? If there's if it's really niche, well there's billions of people on the internet. So there's millions of you. Even if you're like really rare, if you're like one in a thousand, well there's millions of you on the internet. So you can connect with an audience who cares about your stuff. Um Okay, so what's, what's the point here? Uh, there are a lot of reasons why 100,000 views, whoops, doesn't feel like enough. Um, mostly it has to do with the revenue, I think, that comes in from 100,000 views at a $2 CPM monetized at half the views, you know. Well, let me just say, my revenue from YouTube, uh, you know, on a million views, I got my ad revenue check this month, it was $249. That doesn't feel like enough. But I happen to think that ads are a bad way to monetize the web because advertisers don't care how much a person likes what they're about to watch. They don't care how much a person likes the content. They only care that the person's focus is on their content as a pre-roll ad beforehand. I could be a super fan of the person I'm about to watch and my view to that person, to the creator, my view of their work still generates one one thousandth of a CPM for them, half of a penny. That's what by indirectly watching a video, by, by watching a video, I'm indirectly paying the creator one one thousandth of the CPM, which is less than half of a penny for that creator. 
That's why it doesn't feel like enough. But there's a better, there's, there's other ways. I don't want this to turn into a pitch for my company, so I'm not gonna do that. But, but I, there's proof that it's not about the number of views, but the strength of the community around the work. There's proof of that. Um, about a year ago, I launched a company called Patreon because I was sick of getting to 10 million views, and I wanted to get to community. Um, so Patreon is, is a way to monetize the free web differently. It says, hey, do you like my stuff? If you do, how about a dollar per video? How about $5 per video? Um, we launched it about, uh, about a year ago. May 7th is our birthday, Patreon's birthday. This is, this is Patreon. Um, we, we feature all kinds of creators. There's Kina, there's Peter. Smooth McGroove is on here. Check this out, Smooth McGroove. Um, he, so th he's making $2,400 per video. He uploads a video a week. 694 people, it's enough. 100,000 views is enough. A small community who cares about your work is all you need. Um, there, there are so, there's, we now have 20,000 creators using Patreon and it works for so many people. I'm so excited about it because he, here's a guy who has 100,000, 150,000 uniques a month on his website. He makes web comics, not videos, web comics. And, and it's generating over $8,000 of income for him. Right, it's pay me if you like my stuff and if you want me to make more. And people want to pay. They want to pay for beautiful creations to populate the web. People love work, they love art. They want to help creators make more. Um, this is Peter Hollins, another wonderful acapella artist. Just to give you an, another great example, this is probably the most exciting thing about Patreon to me. This video has 15,000 views on YouTube. Molly Lewis, she has 32,000 subscribers. But she has a real community around her work, people who care about it. The same piece of content was posted on Patreon. The same, she just literally embedded the YouTube uh, clip on Patreon and it generated over $2,000 of revenue for her on Patreon with 15,000 views. So um, I'm out of time here, but uh, I guess what I wanna say is uh, I think this talk should be called Getting to Community instead of Getting to 10 Million Views. Let's all, let's all just, make a pact and agree that a view is a worthless currency, really. It's a metric that we've all been trained to, to want and to connect with, and that's okay. It's, I'm not saying Google's wrong for doing that. Everybody needs metrics. It's good to optimize and worry about things. But for us, for the creators, for the people who want to make art for a living, let's get to community. Cool, thank you. Oh man, that was terrific. So great to be here. Just presenting from my iPhone, which is kind of a cute way to do it. <laughs> um, so I'm Scott Snibby. It's a pleasure, uh, pleasure to be here and, uh, with all you guys this morning. Sorry I have a tiny bit of a cold, so I'm a little uh, nasal. But that should uh, make you feel healthy. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk a little bit, before I kind of get into uh, what's happening today, I wanted to go back in time a little bit. Um, not I, People know what this is in this audience, right? <laughs> Sheet music. Um, this was the killer app of the 19th century, and uh, very, few, very few people remember this. It's a really an amazing uh, interactive medium. You know, MP3s aren't interactive, or neither are YouTube videos. Uh, but what's amazing about the first kind of mass music distribution medium is that it was fully interactive. You could bring it home, you could play it on the piano, you could take three minutes or ten minutes, change the words, change the arrangement, use a banjo, whatever, whatever you like. And so a lot of what I've been interested in my career and talking about today is how you bring uh, music back to this kind of interactive, long-form engagement. This is another format I think a lot of people in this room love. Um, when you took an album home, I think almost everybody, don't you remember, like, kneeling down? It's almost, I, why did we always kneel down when we put a record on the, on the turntable? Is, is a holy moment where you're, <laughs> where you're communing with, with music and you really spend some time together, right? You'd spend an hour listening to that album, maybe for a second time. I call that the falling in love phase of music, but today, uh, you know, you'll listen to a song for half a song here, half a song there. It's more like we hook up with music, you know, rather than, than have a nice long first date. Um, 
So this is another format <coughs> um, that I think was really, really powerful. Uh, MTV for, uh, before a reality television. Um, in the same way, you know, I was one of these kids who kids really did say, "I want my MTV." You know, we were, you know, when I was like, ten years old, and I first saw, you know, David Bowie video. Like, I want MTV. Uh, what was amazing about this medium is that you could sit and watch it for like eight hours. Like talk about long form, you'd sit there watching eight hours and if you wanted to see the same video again, you'd have to wait, you know, two hours, four hours for rotation. But a, a really a complete audiovisual format in the same way that LP was. LP is a little bit better because it's also tactile and you can even smell it, so it's all your senses. <laughs> so this is what's common and um, we just heard a great talk about the problems with, with YouTube. Um, one of them for me is that we lose touch with the music. You can no longer kind of touch it or really control it when it appears on YouTube. But the bigger issue for, with me for YouTube is that it's a kind of gray goo because YouTube is everything. It, it, in many ways, it becomes nothing, right? That everything is there, but it's actually quite difficult to sit there and watch a continuous stream of a variety of things that you might be interested in, right? Not to mention the monetization problems. The other issue is, for me, coming from someone who likes to make things interactive, is why is video still pixels? I mean, YouTube turns computers into a VCR, right? You have this incredibly powerful, uh, like, greater than supercomputer capacity on your desktop. Um, so why do we treat it like a VCR or a, or a film player? So some of you may know this. I'm, I'm better known for this type of work, uh, making what are called app albums. Um, this is the one that's best known. We did a project with Bjork called Biophilia, which was the first app album, um, I think, three years ago, three years ago now. And what we did was we made every single song interactive, allow people to, to touch, interact, interact with music. Uh, and we did many others, too. We did one with um, an album that Beck produced for Philip Glass, uh, one with Metric, Passion Pit, and so on. Um, but what I found, but the issue with that is that I think this medium was a little, how many of you guys have seen some of these, like the biophilia app? Okay, cool, so, so a lot of number of people have seen them. It's a short talk, so I'm not gonna give a big demo because I wanna focus on, on some newer things. But what I came to the conclusion after a few years doing this is that it's actually too early. This, this medium of fully interactive, rich uh, multimedia music is um, probably something that's going to be ready you know, four or five years down the line because the, the App Store has almost the opposite problem of, of YouTube, which is that you, you, it's very, very difficult to reach your audience. Distribution on the App Store is, is really horrible. You've, people don't want 10,000 apps the way they like to have 10,000 videos or 10,000 songs. Essentially, it's the you know, top 10, top 20 apps. So how do you roll with that? It's something I've been um, thinking about and what this talk is about and, and uh, a new project we came out with. So, I, I, yeah, I think it's like, you just need Steve Jobs in every slide. <laughs> well, some slide Steve Jobs has to, I'm not sure why this is here. Um, <laughs> no, Steve Jobs was driven by this mission to expand humanity's capacity to create and to communicate, what he calls augmenting human intelligence. There's another parallel track of technology which is replacing human intelligence. You know, that's the like, kind of Skynet uh, Defense Department point of view. I, I'm sort of for the, the former. <laughs> um, probably most humans are. Um, but we have this whole, when it comes to these rich multimedia, uh, kind of new media, you know, video, video music and maybe even interactive experience, what we call transmedia. I don't like to say new media anymore because I think that's about a 40-year-old term or something. Um, but this, this tr idea of transmedia. But the problem is it's very, very difficult. So I bet some of you here have developed apps, developed multimedia experiences, and um, each, of, each one of them, it's, it's a crazy complicated experience. I don't think the way that we produce apps right now is the way, or, or even videos, is the way Steve Jobs imagined. Now, I bet a lot of people know who this is, right? Some people, maybe. It's Gautier. Um, so this is Gautier. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys don't know. Then, I, then you're interested in my talk. Uh, so Gautier, in his studio here, uh, he created you know, the top song of, uh, of, la of last year. Now, take a, take a close look at his equipment. He has a CRT, okay? This is, when was the last time any of you saw a 13-inch CRT? He has a crappy PC, like a keyboard from the 80s, <laughs> um, and he probably stole all his software, I'm pretty sure. So that's, that's, about, that's about $500 worth of equipment. 
With $500 of equipment today, you can make the top song in the world. Absolutely. And it's a, I think this is a wonderful time for musicians. I mean, there's issues with monetization, obviously. But in terms of creation, you can now have not just a studio, but every studio in the world in your computer with a bunch of stolen software and make, and make anything you want. So the problem is that this hasn't happened yet with you know, what we call transmedia or, or even video. It seems like every project that people make, I'm sure maybe you guys saw Art Pop, you know, there's another one, there's Lady Gaga interactive app. Each of them is almost like making healthcare.gov from scratch. It's just a crazy, crazy project. So that's what I put my mind to over the last couple of years is how do you um, create a kind of ecosystem for, you know, video music and, and interactivity. Now, this is another diagram I bet a lot of you have seen. These are the Harlem Shake videos. There were 40,000 were created in two weeks, um, 500,000 to date. Basically, this was a completely viral phenomena. There's some people try to say it was driven by labels, but if labels artists could do this, they'd be doing it constantly, <laughs> right? It's, it's a phenomenon that was driven by the fans. Now, what I think is amazing is that it's still very difficult to make a video like this. Every one of those 500,000 videos was made in a different way by like, the one in 100 friends who's crafty with Final Cut, who can get the song, who can get the camera, uh, a process that take a day or, or even days. And yet there's 500,000 of them. So what if there was a one-step process for people to make these kind of you know, viral music videos, fan music videos? Another thing not everybody knows, even people in, in the music world, is that music video is bigger than video itself. So, oopsie, sorry. That's what you get for the phone presentation here. There we go. Just have to be careful with your little fingers. So 30 out of the 30 top video, YouTube videos are music videos. It's actually more like 100 out of 100. It's actually not cat videos that are at the very top of the charts, which is encouraging. Although that one with the dog, the cat saves the kid from the dog is actually awesome. <laughs> Um, Vivo dominates the YouTube charts uh, because they're, they essentially control all distribution of music video online. Um, on the money side, actually, it makes a lot more, almost 10 times as much as normal videos in terms of advertising because of the demand for them. This is a new statistic that's very, very interesting. Fan videos now generate more revenue for artists and labels than official music videos. This just happened in the last six months. And then this, this is kind of an interesting statistic. Sorry, it's a little nerdy, but basically, it'll be, I'll make it funny. But um, <laughs> if you see that Facebook is declining for teenagers, you know, from 42% down to 23%, let's say Facebook is cool. Um, Twitter is sort of hanging in there. Instagram is going up, which shows you why um, Twitter, why Facebook bought it. It's really a good idea. Um, but look at the biggest growing category of social media, other. So I think that is really, really exciting because it shows you that the world isn't necessarily consolidating around Facebook and Twitter. Those are things like uh, Snapchat, WhatsApp, um, all kinds of interesting things that go in the other category. The world is fragmenting into potentially hundreds of little mobile social networks um, for people with their own particular subcultures. So. What could the platform be for you know, audiovisual audio content, particularly starting with fan videos? So this is, before we launched our app, I wanted to create some artwork that expressed how you feel using our app. So this is, this is meant to be what it feels like inside if you were using our app. This is kind of like motivational artwork. Um, yeah, just to absorb that. Um, and then, and now we've launched it. It's called iGroove. We're actually in a soft launch period. We haven't made hard announcements because I've learned, I've, I've, been, I've been a creator for a long time and I've learned for something like this, it's good to soft launch it for about a month or so. So we're, it's available in the App Store, but uh, we're currently in a soft launch and I'm gonna show you the, um, the app called iGroove. So essentially what it is, is what I was saying. It's a way to, for people to instantly create these fan music videos. So we were having some network problems before because someone was running BitTorrent on the, on the, on the network, but let's, let's hope that's, uh, that's stopped. Um, so there's a lot of these. This is, the, this is the most common form of video. It's the boy you never told I like you. It's the girl you so like it It's like a selfie music video, right? We limit people to, to 19 second videos, but we didn't tell anybody what to do with this app. And um, that's the, the dominant form of content. Guys use it too. And I'm literally, I'm just going down the stream of stu recent stuff. I, I didn't curate this particularly. I'm so fancy. 
And we also have all these effects in here, which is a big deal. Um, but this just, this makes you happy, you know? Like a lot of, a lot of things that you do online actually, like if you spend an hour using Facebook, you don't feel great. But if you spend an hour using this app, you feel really good. So here's, this is also a really typical um, type of video. Uh, this is a popular new song. So essentially what the app lets you do is create good music videos. Like the kind of videos you make with Vine and Instagram have this problem that you're using the ambient audio, you know, the audio that is just coming from the, the, the world around you. And anybody who's made video knows that even if you spend two years on your video, the music adds about 200% to the... To the After you're in the bathroom, there we go. can we go smoke a cigarette? I really need one. But first, let me take a selfie. Sorry, someone's writing a bit tiny. There you go. So it's really quite simple what it takes to make a good video is, is add some fantastic music to it and let, give a little bit of effect so it doesn't just look like something junky you, you shot in your bedroom. I'll show you one more, then I'll show you how you make them. Yeah, well, let me just show you how you make them. You guys get the idea. There's, there's a lot of amazing stuff in here, you know, from cats to people. There's a twerking cat in here that's really pretty amazing. Sorry, you, you guys will have to download it and see for yourself. Uh, but let me show you how to make it. So, so basically, right now we're using SoundCloud as a music source. There's a ton of interesting issues around music rights, and we're actually in conversations with all the different parties about music licensing. But SoundCloud was a kind of safe way to launch. So you can just search for anything you want, um, and it goes through SoundCloud. I'll just take this, you know, DJ Snake. This is a really popular song right now. There you go. And so what you can do below is you can then choose the part of the song. So again, it makes making a, a fan music video a real-time process. If it's a, tw a 20 second video, it gets made in 20 seconds. This one's kind of nice to start in the beginning. Um, all right, so then here you are. Um, I th really thought people were ready for um, an app that basically hides everything. There's no record button in this app, which was kind of a risk, but people seem to have figured it out, you know, after their like fifth video app. Um, so basically you can apply, you know, real-time effects, you know, a little bit like Instagram. Um, okay. Um, but it does a lot more. So the effects, you can actually drag on the screen. So it looks very, very minimal, but it's actually the most powerful video app that there's been and it works in real time. It's more like video mixing. So if you drag on the screen, you can like control the effects. You can see. So it actually does like every, a lot of things that After Effects, a video editing program, you know, music editing program do, but you don't even realize you're doing it. This is kind of a cool one. This is a kind of, um, like a bende dot filter. Okay. Um, and people really like this collage. This one's really good. Like, okay. There we go. Uh, and we've also gone with a little bit longer videos. Like six seconds for Vine is kind of like a punchline, but you can actually tell a little story. Um, in 20 seconds and we're not and eventually we'll have you know longer videos for because if you have an app to make music videos It's a bit of a shame that a person who wants to make an actual music video can't do that. So that'll be coming later And then you can add tags um, we don't have any comments because people just insult each other There you go. So that's it, you know, and it's, it's um, in terms of 10 million views, I mean, what we're, what, what we're trying to talk about in the context of this talk is more um, about the very long tail, how, how eventually, you know, the 10 million, the, the vast majority of views are eventually going to come through these personally, personally created videos rather than the, the professionally created videos, which are wonderful in their, in their own right, obviously, and causing a massive amount of inspiration. But we're entering a time in culture where we've, we're going into a maker culture, a remix culture, where people 
are expressing themselves through media. It started with sentences, with Twitter, right? Like if someone came up 15 years ago, stood up and said, everyone in the world is going to make, handcraft a sentence every day and share it with the world. You just say, what kind of idiot are you? Then, you know, square photos. Like, remember, it was like the nerdiest people with those huge cameras. Uh, like, why do you have that camera? Because you can make these cool square photos with effects. Okay, now Instagram. Now it's time for music video, which is arguably the most popular, most expressive medium. And, you know, now there's a way to, for people to create it instantly. And we have big plans in the long run of actually adding interactivity and the things like we did with those very fancy Bjork apps. But we're trying to start small um, with what people want to do right now. Uh, well, I think that's good. I don't know, how am I on time? Am I over? Am I good? Good, excellent, okay. Well then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll move on to, the, to our next speaker. We'll have some chance to talk in a moment. All right, how's everyone doing this morning? <laughs> All right, so my name's Andrew Fermanzik. I actually come from your northern neighbor, Canada. Yay! <laughs> I'm in a really small little town. It's only like 80,000 and like one person a year gets killed off by a cougar. That's how rural we are. <laughs> so anyway, what? Yeah, it's getting Yeah, pretty much getting the weakest get picked off, I guess. So anyway, um, so today I'm going to talk to you about t getting to 10 million views and what I do. So I actually started music, actually. I do music education, and I kind of use the internet and talk to people over the internet and basically create music videos, or not music videos. I actually started uploading music videos, like of me playing piano. But uh, I quickly got into music education because I basically wanted to I saw that there's a need for music education is being getting lost over time. People, they make music, but they don't really know what they're doing. It's almost like if uh, engineers stopped building um, bridges and we just let people kind of build bridges and see what happens. Like, hey, does it stand or not? <laughs> so anyway, so uh, I wanted to provide a free music education with the world for anyone who has a passion to learn. That was basically my initial mission, and I started that in 2006. So going back a little bit, just a little bit about me, I don't really have a slideshow here because I didn't have time to put it together, so I just have different screen captures here. Anyway, so um, I started music at five years old, basically like any old regular kid, and I didn't really have a passion for music until I was uh, about 13. And so I wanted to become a concert pianist. So I, uh, <laughs> I practiced like four hours a day, and I was up there practicing, and fast forward, boom, a couple years later, I am... Um, performing around the city a couple hours a week here and there and you know I, I was already and pumped and my goal and my dream was to tour the world and become a pianist and you know being 17 or whatever I thought it was bulletproof and all that stuff <laughs> so anyway so I, uh, I basically was going good everything was awesome and then boom suddenly I got sick like really sick I got uh, pericarditis which is a viral heart condition and I almost died from it. Everything in my life got like shut down. I dropped out of school. I dropped out of work. I was teaching skating before, ice skating. And I couldn't play piano anymore. I got tendonitis in my arms. I had to sleep sitting up. I could, everything in my life basically just shut down for a couple of years. So I kind of slipped into a little bit of, you know, like a depression and I was kind of feeling sorry for myself and that only made it worse. But then one night I was thinking, you know, at least I was lucky enough, like I had parents who loved me. I had um, music lessons from, I don't know if I'm close enough to this mic here. There we go. Hey, there we go. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I had music lessons, you know, they're probably worth like $15,000 and all these people out there, you know, there's people, there's children starving in the world, all around the world, and what are we doing about it, right? Like, I know that sitting there, I was like, well, I can't do anything about that. I'm just one guy up in Canada who's sick and can't really get out of the house. <laughs> but at least I had the experience, and I had the, the fortunate experiences of actually taking piano lessons. So I thought, okay, well, I could actually just use my knowledge and put my experiences out there and help at least one person who has a passion to learn music and they're just limited by, maybe they don't have access to teacher or maybe they don't have access to the finances that they need to actually take lessons. So I started uploading my first video in 2006 and honestly, I just wanted to basically help one person and it just kind of ballooned from there as you can see from this first video here. So anyway, originally I just, 
kind of started with whatever I had. I actually had like a little tiny digital camera and I put it on an oatmeal box. I didn't have a tripod, didn't know how to video edit. My video editing was literally like, push the button, push the button to stop. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so I started as indie as you can pretty much get. Anyway, so from there, I, but I, I wanted to come at it from like a perspective of how do, like what is someone gonna be thinking when they're trying to find my lessons? Like, okay, they probably type how to play piano. So I'll call my series that, that sounds good. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I went through that. I did, I, I basically, if I had two suggestions to make, it, one would be try to like be useful, like make your video content use, oh, oh great as useful as possible, like really think about the person in mind while you're creating the content. And try, like I honestly wasn't focused on myself, like that's I think what separated me apart from other people is because most piano teachers were like, all right, here's this first lesson for five minutes and when you like that, come over to my website and I'll, I'll uh, give you some free Skype lessons or something like that. So they're always trying to sell you something, you know? Anyway, so I basically got through that and I was basically just trying to help people out, give them a lift up and get them into the music world. And actually a lot of music producers had told me later on that they, my videos helped them get into like advanced placement music and also help produce music as well. And like he was, uh, Scott was saying before, um, this is really an age of creators and enabling people to do stuff. So I'm really trying, going out there to try to enable people to achieve their, their passion, their dream, and be able to give them the tools that they need to do stuff in music. So anyway, um, so I didn't really expect to get to like one million views by any means, <laughs> not even 10 million, I mean, Honestly, like who thinks that piano is going to be that popular, but somehow it all worked out for me. <laughs> so I got 11 million views on this first video. Oh, I hit a button here. Anyway, um, part of that was because I think I, my approach is trying to be very helpful to people. It g caused people to actually, you know, recommend me, link to me, search for me. And, you know, by being useful, I ended up being very findable too. So. Like, check this out. If you do a Google search for how to play piano, so out of 307 million results, I'm number one. And then if then I also did a thing for music theory as well, because I wanted to teach people music theory as well as piano. And now if you type learn music, I'm also number one for that. So my two main courses fo focused on piano and then music theory. So I, I did that for between 2006 to 2011 is when I was publishing those videos. And I was doing that in addition to um, basically making piano lessons and stuff like that for free. So obviously that doesn't get you too much money, so I'm still living at my parents' house. <laughs> this is actually my first presentation ever, so hopefully I'm not too terrible. <laughs> anyway, okay, so moving on. Um, so honestly, like when I was making stuff, I think one of the key things that caused my videos to be successful is that I was doing it from an unselfish perspective. Uh, so being useful. Second, I was, you know, being findable by the keyword search. I was really trying to get into the position and the thought, the mind frame of if I'm someone just like sitting there typing like, oh man, I'd really love to learn how to play piano right now. So they'd just type that in and then I wanted to pop up. So I guess it all worked out. I Honestly, I was pretty much a fluke. I'm kind of surprised that I even got as far as I did. And I'm not even really sure why I'm here. <laughs> anyway. anyway, I'm doing my best here. Okay, so, <laughs> so one of the other things I did that I guess turned out to be a nice fluky thing as well is I really loved the community. So I would comment back to everyone. I'd read every comment, reply to every email. I started a forum. It got up to 6,000 members. There's a guy on there from Norway, actually, who started using my videos. His name is Thomas. And within one year, he was already playing grade nine piano level. And within two years later, he had his tracks playing on some of the year. He actually made and uh, composed some music. And it was playing on radio stations within two years after that. So he was using the music theory that I taught and applied. And he actually took it all the way. And there's been lots of other emails and responses from people who are like, thank you. I didn't have enough time or uh, money to put into going to classes, I can just sit here you know, at 2 a.m. and take piano lessons and then now I got into AP music and then I can pr pursue my dreams and passions. So that's, I really think the world would be best off if people are pursuing what they're very passionate about because they'll put everything 100% into that. So anyway, um, so one of the other things is when I'm teaching, like I think 
like how I approach pedagogy and how I engage with the people is instead of like looking down on them like, oh my God, I'm so mighty, I'm a teacher and I'm gonna be here to intimidate you and make you feel terrible with my su superiority complex and stuff like that. I just think of myself as, okay, imagine that we're in the Amazon, okay? And I'm actually not a white guy from Canada, but I'm actually like a native Amazonian scout. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> I know the Amazon very well. <laughs> so I, I go over to like the plane and the plane lands and I'm basically a tour guide. And so I was like, the, the tour guides are like, uh, okay, could we go to this camp here? It's called Chukupona. And I'm like, yeah, let's, I'll take you there. I'll show you. So I basically just, you know, grab their hand, pull them along, get my people to maybe put some their packs on. And so instead of me like trying to like, you know, look down on them and, and everything. Instead, I'm just like, all right, let's go through this path. Oh, watch out for that rock there. Oh, there's snakes here. Watch out for those and wrestle one off for them. So I'm there to help them along the journey. They could get there themselves, but they'd probably be beat up and possibly dead by the, <laughs> they encounter a poisonous spider <laughs> or something like that. So my approach to teaching is really, I try to meet them where they're at and pull them forward in a really positive way as, po as much as possible. So anyway, in total, my channel here, let me show you some of the stuff I've been up to now. So after 2010, this is where I kind of had a roadblock because honestly, I could not put any more complex material up there. I had covered all of Rudiments, which is 50 videos long. It took me about 300 hours of like work to get it done and while I'm doing my job as well, like piano teaching. And yeah, uh, I put exams up there, self-marking. I did everything through the video format. So literally, I would write on a whiteboard, and then I'd write the answers, and then you could self-mark yourself. That was how like low-tech it was. Anyway, so but since I'm only a small guy by myself in my parents' basement, <laughs> it's like, what can I do? I can't afford a huge production team or anything like that. So uh, I kind of took a hiatus for about maybe like two years. I did some. I started learning photography, did some other stuff, and uh, then all of a sudden in last spring. Uh, the, this new company based actually here in San Francisco, by the way, shout out to you guys in San Francisco. I love this town. It's really awesome. <laughs> so, um, so this company is called Versal and what they, like, they just shot me an email and I, at first I was like, okay, another like e-learning site trying to get me to come over, but YouTube's basically where it's at because it's got the text and the video and the distribution and all that stuff. So anyway, I, I basically came over and I took a look and this is actually my website right here. So this is all coded by Versal and handled. So I can have text, I can have video, but so, so, so much more. So before, like, you know, if I'm only teaching through video, it's basically like, imagine if you're going to a band and then you just see a singer show up and that's it. I mean, singers are great, but you need, like, if you have, like, the, the bass guy and you got the drummers rocking out and then you've got the guitar going on, like, all that really helps build a rich experience. And so Versal's uh, gadgets, like, I really found that they, it's almost like they enhanced everything. Each gadget is, like, its own specialty. I'll show you in a minute, like, what it does. But here, for example, is a gadget. This is all HTML5 based, and it's embedded in my website. So after I took a look at it, I very quickly realized like what it could actually do for me. Hold on a sec, I can't see my screen here. There we go. Okay, so this first basic course that I did was to just teach a very simple thing and show people what it can do. And that is basically to just match the sheet music to the keys. Because some people are like, oh, this is so confusing. I'm trying to find like, oh, how do I get from the sheet music to the keyboard, the keyboard to the sheet music? Oh my God, it's so confusing, I give up. <laughs> So I just wanted to make a really simple course to illustrate those things, and this is basically just a demo course. So I have YouTube videos embedded in the Versal course, which is then embedded in my website, so it's like kind of embedception. And then we go down here, and so this is a JavaScript gadget, and so I just showed the names of the keywords and where they are. And so if you know your stuff, let's see if I can pass my own test here. So the first B above middle C, which should be this one, Interesting, there's a little bit of a bug going on here, but anyway. So this basically marks it correct, and then I'm good to go. So if I get five in a row correct, then I can move on to the next thing, and I've mastered the content. So instead of just having static, passive content where I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I got it, and then passing, falling asleep, it's basically providing a mix-up, so people aren't just re watching all the time. They're reading, then they can pass tests and quizzes and stuff like that. So coming over to here, and yes, it would do this to me, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
I had this all prepared. Okay, now, um, so that's just going into the course, and here we go. So now, if you can see, I'm, I, uh, actually there was another one over here where you could actually see the sheet music, but I, it only does that by itself. So you're learning the sheet music, and then here you actually get to match it. So see, I've got the check marks here, and then I've got the note name. So I can actually just find the note name on the staff, and then put it in, and then boom, correct. So then the other way around, so this is basically you have to read the sheet music and find the keyboard, that, like the key that goes with it. Now over here, you have the key, but where's the sheet music? So it's vice versa. So it ca causes you to think in both directions instead of just one. Anyway, so with all that embedded, uh, it's actually quite easy to put together. And that's why, like some of the reasons why I decided to go with it and the direction I'm moving is, that I want to provide free music education for from start to finish of, you know, you've got music theory, you've got piano, and then I want to get into modern stuff like how to record vocals, how to do video videography, how to market yourself on YouTube, and other platforms like uh, the patron over there. Patreon? Or pa Patreon? Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, so... This right here, this is just an example of behind the scenes, like how you publish a course. And so for me, when I was first looking, should I get involved with Versal, because it's a big time commitment to get onto a new platform, is one, is it free? Yes, it is. There's no initial cost. Two, I was able to create courses more richly and easier. So it was like a huge workload off me. It was like basically taking like a lot of people's time and energy and just leveraging it on to what, it, what my goals are. And that's really what they're all about, is to basically help you. They're actually based in San Francisco here, just on Townsend. Anyway, okay, so if I go into a course, then this is what it looks like. It's literally just like a canvas, and I can move it around, replace it on the fly. It's all basically done in JavaScript and HTML5. And so if I want something new, I can just drag it and put it in, and then I can customize it. So these are the course gadgets I'm using, but they also have an open marketplace. So you've got resources, maps, diagrams, all these crazy things that are just so, so useful. And it's going to be open API to other developers. So I. I can only imagine all the amazing things that I'm going to have at my disposal in the future. So since it's all hosted on my website and everything, it's just so powerful as a tool for publishing. It far exceeds what you know YouTube and video alone can do. But it works with YouTube, and it's got a really open concept. So super, super, super excited to work with it. So my end goals basically are to just publish an entire library of content that can teach anyone with a very deep passion to learn, give them that, just empower them and go like, go for it, man, just like learn music, go for it, enjoy it. And it's just gonna, and it just makes me happy to see people realizing their dreams and going for those dreams and going after their passions in life and not, you know, working at Walmart. <laughs> Unless you have a passion for Walmart, of course. <laughs> Maybe your like highest aspiration is to be a greeter so you can meet people and shake their hands. So that's, if you wanna do that, all the power to you. But anyway, <laughs> okay, so, so ultimately, I'm, like, I'm still very small. I'm not even incorporated or anything. I'm not really that smart with like, the business stuff. I try to do my best to learn all that stuff, but it, I'm really looking for collaborators, anyone who wants to reach out and talk to me, build a community with me, or help me educate. If you're a teacher or something like that, if you think you can help, come and talk to me. I'm really open for that. So anyway, um, how am I doing for time here? Got, I'm done? All right. Well, <laughs> it was an honor to talk to you. Thanks so much. Bye. Take a couple minutes of uh, of questions, and do we have time for questions, or are we are we couple through? Couple minutes. Couple minutes. How long on Android? Did you, I don't know if you mentioned that, but it looks like it's just available right now. Yeah, I, iOS is really the best platform to launch an app on because it's a, a very prescribed, clear uh, set of technologies and you know distribution ecosystem, all that. Um, it's just simpler. Uh, probably next year we'll have an Android version. I don't know a specific date, but sometime next year. Hi, mine's also for Scott. I do direct-to-fan marketing at CrowdSurge, and I'm always looking for new tools to bring the artists, and especially up-and-coming tools that people haven't seen before. What's the publishing like? Who do you, I mean, when you hit that publish button in the top right, can you just walk me through how easy it is to get it posted somewhere on the artist? Yeah, page? yeah, so once it's, so once it's, you, you can make things private if you want, because sometimes you just want to send a bit like a personal, you know, ah something to a friend <laughs> um, but um, 
basically it publishes into our community and then there's ways to share out to Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, and eventually others. YouTube's a little tricky. We're working with them because like to, to be kosher with the rights, it's a, a little tricky right now. Um, but yeah, you can share out and, and you know add a hashtag to share on Twitter is one of the biggest ways to go viral. Uh, I have a question, Scott, actually. Um, how are you dealing with uh, licensing issues, uh, sync licensing, because you're creating these new music videos? And yeah, yeah it's, it's tricky, and we've, we've all, we're in co conversations with, I've talked to people at you know, all the labels, the, the distributors, streaming services. <laughs> Essentially, we're at a catch-22 because we're too small for a, a big licensing deal. So we're trying to pave the way for that and have all those conversations over the next, uh, through the rest of the year until we put those in place. Meanwhile, we're working with SoundCloud, which ostensibly the users who upload their music to SoundCloud cloud allow this kind of this kind of use through the API so it doesn't have a lot of the official versions of songs but there's a lot of remixes and I mean you guys know SoundCloud it's in in, in many ways it's a very cool and a very cool way to launch a product because it's a little bit on the indie track and uh, you could even upload your own songs and make grooves to them but eventually you know we see this as actually a way for musicians and artists to make money because this is the Every, many other things in music are shrinking in terms of revenue, but fan music video is growing and just exceeded regular music video. So if people could make a thousand times more videos with this, I think there's a huge barrier right now for people making it. No, no, we can't until we have all those licensing deals in place, but we will eventually. And we intend to. It's, it's meant to be a way to help artists and labels make money on their music. Hey, Andrew. I'm Nathan. Um, what is your business model, and if you don't have one yet, what would you like it to be? What would you like to see come from the Academy? Thanks for the check, check. Oh, it's working. Great. <laughs> Sorry, I'm new to all this stuff, so it's all very, very foreign to me. All right, anyway, no pun intended with the foreign. I'm in the United States, so. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as business plans go, <laughs> Great, I'm glad I can make people laugh, that's good. Okay, so as far as business plans go, um, I don't really have one in place yet, like concrete. I like the idea of maybe like a pay what you want or something like that, but I, I'm not really sure yet. I don't wanna put a financial barrier, but of course at the same time, I need to make some, some kind of revenue to keep it going and pay my bills. So I, I'm still kind of looking at that. I am definitely open to ideas, suggestions, conversations. I'm still brainstorming that, but it's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot more. How can I take it the next step further? I just redesigned my website in January and all this stuff is starting to launch, so it's gonna need to be able to make money to sustain itself even by hosting alone, right? So thanks for the question. Jack, um, for Patreon, uh, as an artist, uh, coming onto your site, uh, is it as easy as one, two, three? and porting your YouTube videos over? And yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a flow for, for signing up and you just create an account and post a video. You, it's, it's universal embedding, so you can embed a SoundCloud link or a YouTube link, whatever you want, yeah. Cool, that's pretty much it, because I'm gonna totally go there. I, 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 have, a, I have a question yeah, for you too, Jack, about Patreon. It's, I thought it was really interesting how you were totally transparent about how much money the person is yeah. making, and I mm -hmm. wonder if you could talk about that as a point where people start to get like jealous or angry, or how, how's yeah. that working for you? Yeah, uh, tr I think transparency is probably, it goes hand in hand with crowdfunding. I don't think you can do crowdfunding behind a black curtain. Um, I think people, there's just a, a tendency to revolt and to not want to contribute to something if you don't know how much is actually going there. So we're we're very uh, the, showing the number is a very hard line. We have folks say that they you know they'd like to launch, but you know they don't want to show the number, and we don't accommodate. Um, again, because I think it goes hand in hand with crowdfunding. Um, the the. Uh, in terms of the number getting too high, I actually think the, the opposite psychology is true. I think people like joining a winning team. You know, Amanda Palmer wanted to raise, I think, 400,000 on Kickstarter. She raised 1.2 million. Those things have a tendency to snowball. Also, if the, if the video being shown or the music being shown, uh, I, okay, here's why I don't think there's a ceiling. What if it's the next episode of Breaking Bad and there's helicopters and explosions and sex scenes and it's directed by Spike Jones? Then the number can say two million. And I think people will still want to contribute per episode because the the beauty of the content matches the dollars contributed. Um, Patreon is not a platform for people to sit back and get rich. It's a platform for them to grow their media company and grow their business and, and keep making their content better. And I had another question for you too. The the exclusivity, sorry, but it's so interesting what you're doing. The, the exclusivity, so 
you'll are are some things exclusive or is everything available in other places too and it's not a paywall it's yeah. not hey you have to pay to yeah. see this video it's hey i'm making cool stuff and i'm putting it online for free if you'd like to pay me you can yeah that's really cool oh oh um so all the content sorry, is embedded on other websites like SoundCloud or YouTube. It's all, we don't host any of the content ourselves. So most people, I think, still are watching the content on other platforms. They embed it on Patreon and their patrons then view it either on Patreon or the platform where it's hosted. Um, in terms of conversion rates from fans or subscribers or views to dollars, um, it's it actually is impossible to say. It depend. It's not. There's no metric that measures the strength of a community. <laughs> so, so you can't just say, "Hey, I have you know 750,000 subscribers. How many dollars am I expected to get on Patreon?" We say, "I don't know. Why don't you launch and see?" Um, it. How connected are you with your community? Do you answer comments? Right? Do you answer emails? Do Do your fans love you? Do you love your fans back? Hello. So. Uh I was wondering for artists who they don't create as frequently, but they do have a strong community. Um, what uh, in Patreon? What what's in there for them? For people who just make really high quality products yeah. for videos, for example, sure. once in a while, and it's not clear when the next one's going to be come out. How um, what's yeah. in there for them? That's a great question. We built Patreon for those people. Um, my personal Patreon page, I, I'm, I'm an artist on the site, actually, and uh, I haven't released a video since November. Um, Patreon isn't pay per month. It's pay per content. So when you post a new piece of content on Patreon, cards get charged. Um, that allows you to take a hiatus and reduce churn. So if you need to grow and take two years to learn new production techniques, your fans aren't being charged every, every month like they would be in a fan club. It's, it's not that. It's every time you release a video, then cards get charged. So yeah, if you're releasing once every two or three months or four months, it's perfect for that. So it's not you promising that you will release this number per month nope so nobody pays a cent until okay. you release something oh, okay that makes sense yep. um I, I guess in a, another question is that um if um say the artist wants to fund a bigger project like on kickstarter and they're they're kind of worried that if they do patreon it might take away from people funding the kickstarter page yeah uh, what would you um say um i just point to examples that we have of of our creators launching Kickstarter campaigns and Indiegogo pan campaigns like for big one-off projects. Yeah, they're running a current Patreon campaign. We have one artist now, Taylor Davis. She plays violin, um, and she has had a Patreon page now for almost a year, and now it's time for a big one-off project. Um, she wants to raise money for an album, and Patreon was the first place where she asked her fans to donate, and her fans stepped up to it. So, um, uh yeah, I view, I view them as separate things. I don't feel like we're competitive with Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or any sort of transactional crowdfunding site. We're more for people who want to give on a recurring basis. Um, will it take a, a bite out of future crowdfunding efforts? Um, I don't think so. There's really, we've been around 12 months, so there's, we don't really have the data. It's more of empirical observation. And uh, right now, it seems like it's absolutely possible to do both. I had a question for you. Um, okay, uh, I know questions is asked by other people answering questions, but um, okay, um, one thing is like when you see those numbers on the thing, right, like it's $2,000, $3,000, how much of that money is actually going to the artist and how much is going to the support behind it or taxes or how does all that break down? Yeah, Patreon's cut is 5%. We take 5% off of transactions. Um, then there's credit card fees, which are usually 2.9% uh, plus 25 cents per transaction. That creates problems with microtransactions, and we have all kinds of interesting algorithmic ways of dealing with that, aggregating charges at the end of the month instead of charging per piece of content. At the end of the day, um, most of our artists are taking home around 90% of the number that's shown. Wow. Yeah. That's really good. That's really important to me Ridiculous. because I want to keep that number very low. I'm actually not taking a salary as... CEO of Patreon. I'm making my living using the product itself. Wow. Um, and so um, I want to incentivize everyone in the company and me and everyone around us as we're building this thing to, to send as much money to artists as possible. That's amazing. Okay. Cool. I think I'm going to get on the side.
<laughs> hey, uh, uh, question yes, it worked. Question for Jack. Um, I walked in, so I missed your presentation. So if I'm asking something that you already presented, it, um, sorry. Um, how do you see the podcasting market? Oh, it's awesome. Is it? Can you just explain a little bit about how you're seeing things? Yeah. Um, in fact, our most successful uh, Patreon pages are podcasts. We have um, a couple podcasts. There's a great podcast making uh, $1,600 per episode. We have another podcast making $11,000 per episode. Oh, sorry, $11,000 per month. You can both a per month campaign and a, and a per content campaign if you want. For creators who have a regular programming schedule every Tuesdays and Thursdays, it makes sense to do a monthly campaign for them. So yeah, podcasters are doing great and podcasts represent 25% of our top creators. Yeah. Uh, question for Andrew. Um, I was I was wondering so how ha, have you worked with other teachers before and how do you kind of get your mindset like make sure that they're in a similar space and how do you see kind of getting more teachers on board with your philosophy Am I on right now? Okay, good stuff. Um, so as far as working with other teachers goes, I have actually taught some pedagogy to other other teachers in my area. I haven't worked with other teachers online yet. I haven't really come up with the best model, like a solid model yet to work on that. But that's definitely in the works as well. Again, a lot of this stuff is conversations down the line, and I'm glad you asked the question too. Um, as far as getting them in the same like mindset, I think... Honestly, everyone brings their own mindset to a team, and it's more like if they're the right fit for the situation, I don't wanna like try to brainwash them into my way of thinking. Everyone has their own way of thinking, and if they get good results the way they do it, great. If they have any questions for me, that's great too. If uh, I'm happy to help with anything that caused me to succeed in teaching, and if I can do anything to help them along, great. But um, as far as like trying to like you know, get everyone to lockstep exactly the way I do it. I don't think that would really work for scalability. Everyone's gonna do it in their own style. The main thing is, you know, do they always try to improve themselves? Do they always, you know, ask critical questions of themselves? Do they put themselves ahead of students? I think those are just foundational things that would cause them to fit well. If that isn't there, then I don't think they'd be a really great fit for causing learners to like really exceed and excel at their potential. So does that answer your question? Thanks. All right, thanks everybody. Thank